0: Hi, I'm Jennifer ackerman Kaywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast. This is episode 132, and on this episode, we're going to be talking about the book, Little One Yard Wonders, Irresistible Clothes, Toys, and Accessories You Can Make for Babies and Kids. This is part of Story Publishing's 101 Sewing Projects series that is co-written by Rebecca Yaker and Trisha Hoskins. This is their third book in this very successful series. And I think it's the biggest one yet. This is a whopping 360 pages with six full-size pattern sheets in the inside the front cover. I admit that when I saw this, I was kind of like, oh man, my kids are going to be too old for this book. But I was so wrong, so incredibly wrong. I started paging through, and before I knew it, I had about a dozen hot pink sticky notes stuck to the pages, sticking out the side, and really found some cool projects to make. So this book really is for anybody who has a connection to children, whether you have children yourself or you're sewing for friends or other relatives who have children. Uh, If if you know little people that like handmade garments toys accessories then this is a good book to check out on this episode we're kind of kind of have a format that's a little bit different i was not able to get rebecca and trish on the same call so what we did is i talked to trish first so you know part of this podcast will be a conversation with trish we'll take a little break and pick up with rebecca And for those who may recall, Rebecca was on episode 112 of this podcast. So if you want to go back in the archive and listen to that if you haven't heard it, or re listen to it if you're, you know, want to kind of remember um, where we're kind of picking up from, Uh, Rebecca was um, an apparel designer and then she went on to start her own business designing and creating one of a kind custom baby bedding. And we talked about that. Uh, She's also the woman behind the famous sock monkey dress that you guys might recall, and we talk about that on that that sock monkey uh, business and the and a lot of the machine knitting. We covered that on episode 112. This is more present day current projects, and then uh, Trish and I talk a little bit about her business. She co-owns Crafty Planet in Minneapolis with her husband. And it's a fabric and craft store that sounds really cool. In fact, I want to go to Minneapolis to visit this shop. It sounds really fun. So let's get the conversation started with Trish. So how did you and Rebecca meet and start cranking out these, these cool books?
1: Oh, well, as far as how we met, Cracky Planet had just been not too long prior, and this probably would have been like 2003 and 2004, and she lived in the neighborhood and walked in and said, hey, I'm crafty, <laughs> and uh, we just hit uh, it off. turned out we were both Russian Studies majors in college and uh, obviously crafty and just kind of interested in a lot of the same kinds of fabrics and crafts and, you know, aesthetics. So, yeah, we just headed off personally. And then when uh, I happened to get an invite from Story to go out to lunch uh, when some other team was in town in Minneapolis, and Rebecca and I had discussed doing a book together. And uh, originally, we actually were thinking that we uh, wanted a selling book that was kind of uh, more unisex in general. This wasn't thinking about kids, sorry mm-hmm. for kids at all, but just a book geared towards sewers that uh, wasn't quite as feminine as as some of the books that were on the market back then. I guess would've been two thousand seven, two thousand eight, something like that. And uh, so we kind of pitched that idea, the story, and they weren't much interested in that. But uh, you know, <laughs> after some talking, we kind of mutually came up with this idea of you know one yard project, and uh, we wrote the proposal, and the next thing you know. We made a craft book history, I guess, with. and of course, when they first we were talking about the one year project, they said, so "Well, great! How many projects were you thinking?" and and they said, "Well, 101, of course, just like in the mini, you know, the one king, winners books." And both Rebecca and I were like, "You're crazy!"
0: Yeah, but, that uh, is a lot of projects. That's a whole yeah, lot of projects. Yeah,
1: well, like, you do realize that selling projects aren't quite the same as knitting projects. I mean, you have to use words <laughs> as opposed to, like, the knitting
0: shorthand. Right, you, know, you can't abbreviate you... as easily, now. You <laughs> can't be
1: like, you that's
0: one. That's one line. Yeah, you can't do that. So, so you guys uh did you have to breathe into a paper bag for a little while after <laughs> we
1: did, yeah, we we're like, okay, everyone pulled this off, but uh we did, you know, we sent out a call for uh contributors and got a lot of great projects, and you know certainly designed some of our own ideas too for that first book, and we did manage to get it all fit in, and uh yeah, it, uh we were so pleased with what story did. With the styling of the book, and yeah, it's just uh, and of course uh, Rebecca and I talked about how once we did finally get the book put to bed after all the many edits, and we were both kind of like, let's never do this again. And then of course our authors' copies of the books arrived in the mail, and we are just in love and smitten, and like, okay, when are we gonna do this again?
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> And so, the, and the second book, your second book was called, remind people the title of your second book.
1: Sure. So it's called Fabric by Fabric, One Yard Wonders. And so the premise of that book was, um, you know, working with uh, not just quilting weight fabric or not just woven cottons, but really uh, looking to see uh, what are some projects that you could do with just one yard of, say, a knit fabric or corduroy or a laminated fabric so, you know, we're seeing so many great substrates coming on the market now. And, um, you know, we received a lot of questions at Cracky Planet about how do I sew with oil cloth? You know, how do I sew with clay? Right. So we thought that, you know, having a book that not only has the 101 projects, <clears throat> but also reference material. So we include little cheat sheets or charts. Telling you, you know exactly what kind of needle you need to use, what kind of stitch slate, What are some other uh, special equipment and uh, supplies that you might need to be able to successfully work with some of these different fabrics?
0: And so now you wound your way to to the kids, um, you know, clothes, toys, and accessories. Now, did you guys have kids at the time when you started this journey uh, with these books back in two thousand seven or so? Did you have families at that point? No, we didn't. Um, my son
1: was actually born really right around the time that the first book was released, so no fall call. of 2009. In fact, we went to Quilt Market in Houston that fall uh, to promote the book and do book signings and all that sort of thing. He was five weeks old. Oh, wow. So And he came with me, and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so the timing on that was, uh, you know, pretty uh, – and sync there, and then Rebecca's uh son was born in the following fall, so uh one year after that, and uh she uh had Atticus uh right around the time that we were trying to put book number two to bed. sorry we are getting it all off to the publisher and so uh i I still kind of remember her being like. Now, I'm just really not going to get a maternity leave here, am I? <laughs> because we still have so much that we have to do with it. Yeah. Like, nope, mom, that's going to have to come later. <laughs> Sorry. Wow.
0: So you guys simultaneously birth books and babies at the same time. So <laughs> exactly. Did, did, any, did either just, of you have a baby with this third book, or are you, uh, you know, uh, just just a book this time? Well, maybe
1: I should let Rebecca announce that, but she is actually expecting baby number two this
2: fall. Oh,
0: so. <laughs> okay i'll have to tell her that you know we'll we'll have to give her a chance to talk about that if she wants to (laughs) yeah well that's exciting so so as your families are growing um your and your 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 experiences um did you just see the need for a book like this as you're looking for things to sew for your own children
1: yes i would say um for sure i mean there's definitely other books that were on the market for uh sewing for kids especially sewing for girls and sewing for babies Like I said, uh, Rebecca and I are both moms to boys, and uh, there's a great book on the market, sewing for boys. I own it, and I've done many things from it. And, you know, uh, it's a great book, but we also wanted to have something that would encompass uh, all parents, uh, kids of uh, all ages, at least as many as could fit, again, within the the pages of a single book. And uh, not only that, but also things for us As moms, to kind of make our lives easier. So there's definitely a lot of things in there that we're inspired by. Oh, my God, I need a play mat that I can, you know, turn into a box to hold all the crap that (laughs) (laughs) the kid is playing with. uh, Or you know, I I really would like to have a, um, a diaper bag that takes up very little space, but yet still have all the pockets that I need. Or uh, maybe even I don't even have to buy a separate diaper bag. Like this bag is definitely big enough that, you know, I need some compartments in it to turn it into a diaper bag. Right.
0: That was one of those interesting um, patterns that I really like that because um, that's something that after your kids grow up, you could still use those pockets for crafters on the go. So I thought, hmm, that's kind of cool because then, then it doesn't look like a baby, you know, baby theme bag. Um, you know, you can just throw that into um, any bag, any stylish bag you have, uh, turn your handbag into a, a diaper bag just by make, doing, making that insert. So you guys really have thought of it all here um, with your contributors. And how many contributors do you have this time around? It can be an estimate. You don't have to count them all.
1: I Thank you. I, I would say we have approximately 70 contributors this time around.
0: Just the United States or all over the world?
1: all over the world. We I mean, way it's from uh, Australia, Japan, uh, Korea, I believe, Malaysia, yeah, all, all over the world.
0: Do you feel like you have this down now where it's an easier process now that you've done it three times? Or is it just as complicated every time you do it?
1: Uh, it's definitely easier. I mean, especially even just after the first book we realized that this would have gone so much easier just from the get-go we uh, had like standard language for you know how to do this or that uh such as you know applying bias tape or um hemming right uh stuff like that so things that we found ourselves kind of doing over and over and over when you have 101 projects in the book you know just there's going to be some techniques that repeat themselves right and so being able to kind of come up with a standard uh templates or languages that, you know, we wrote, but then we can just kind of copy and paste into the relevant step and adjust as necessary. Definitely um, stuff like that. uh, Just, you know, it's definitely needed when you're trying to juggle so many projects and also edit projects uh, from so many different contributors so that they do read in the same voice. So once you've maybe done a couple of projects, you don't have to read a, a completely different take on it and figure right. out the interpretation of like, Well, what do they mean by that? You know, if, if the same technique is explained the same way in every project, I think it makes the reader's job easier. because um, again, they only kind of have to interpret that once right. uh, in the book. And so that was definitely a help and I uh, just also kind of understanding how the editing process works, you know, once we <coughs> sent it off to the publisher and then, you know, it goes through the technical edits and those come back to us and we edit those. And then there's the proofreader edits and the copy edits and, um, definitely understanding more how that whole process works and, so not d- having like this false sense of security that once you turn the book into the publisher, you're like, okay, we're done. It's like, well, no, <laughs> no, you're not done. <laughs> Wait until your mom is <laughs> <laughs> gonna come back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, do you? How many of these projects do you guys make? Like between the two of you, how many of your own patterns did you publish?
1: This book uh, definitely. I had the most of my own designs in this book than I've had in any of the other two books. I want to say that I have about a dozen, and Rebecca probably the same amount. as I think she's always been a little bit more prolific than I have as far as having uh, her own designs featured in the book. But, uh, yeah, we probably, I think, between the two of us, have the most of our own designs in this book. And a lot, a lot of that was just because we, since we had done this a few times before, we had very specific ideas of the kinds of projects that we wanted. And, you know, so if there wasn't a contribution that kind of addressed that, then we would just, just do it. Especially because we were often doing spelling for our own kids and ourselves at this point, since, you know, as you pointed out, we both had kids uh, once this book got started. So we were kind of making these things anyway. So,
0: right, right. Well, I think if
1: we I- find them useful, someone else will too.
0: Sure. I love the poor boy cap. Um, that you have on page one seventy one. Now, is that something you made for your own son?
1: Yes, I just think he looked so stinking cute in that kind of hat. Yeah, and that's it's a that cute kind hat. of hat that my yeah my husband wears well too. So yeah, that was kind of a no brainer for me.
0: What process do you guys use to edit th- your way through this stuff? Do you make them or just kind of read through? What do you? What's your process?
1: this book and fabric by fabric, we definitely had the samples with us while we were editing. Okay. So uh, we could look at the samples and see exactly how it was constructed. Um, there's definitely times where uh, I either one of us would actually sit down and make the project also. Typically, this would be if we had any questions about, I'm, you know, I'm not quite sure how this all comes together at this point. so we would make it to make sure that we understood
0: mm-hmm. the
1: process and the construction. But especially by the third book, um, you know, a lot of times we could just kind of tell, especially if we had the sample right. in front of us. That okay, uh, I see how this was done and I understand a lot more about, you know, how these things go together. So. And sometimes, you know, we would even say, "Well, I think I know of a, a simpler way to actually do this step. So maybe you would actually um, make some changes to the techniques to
0: used, too, just to make know, it do easier that's for people. Right? A little bit yeah. more straightforward. and readers, mm-hmm. readers appreciate that too. If there's a shortcut, that means they can go to bed an hour earlier. I'm sure they'll yeah. be thankful for that. You've mentioned uh, Crafty Planet uh, a couple times, and you co-owned that. Um, store with your husband, correct? That's correct. Okay, and so, and just for those who um, are traveling this summer and might be looking for a cool place to stop on their travels, uh, if you want to tell people, kind of give people the four one one on where you're located and what you offer at your shop.
1: Sure. Well, Crappy Planet is in Northeast Minneapolis, and it's, uh, Northeast is kind of an area of Minneapolis that's kind of a cool, up and coming, you know, lots of arts. Uh, Artist loss and Arts District uh, kinds of uh, organizations going on um, to support arts and artists and crafts. And uh, we offer, uh, we primarily specialize in uh, modern fabrics, uh, anything from the quilting cottons from, you know, the hot new designers and the expanding into jerseys and home decor and, and other fabric types as well. We also heavy yarns, we carry uh embroidery supplies, uh some like sublime stitching and stitches Revolution. Uh we offer classes, uh open sewing, uh as a space rental. This week you have a visitor from out of town and they just totally need to get their sewing jones on. They can <laughs> rent some time in our classroom and and get busy while they're on vacation. So We
0: uh, try to make craft dreams come true, I guess. That's great. And how long have you been in business?
1: Uh, We opened in the fall of 2003, so we have been open about uh, 10 and a half years
0: now. Well, congratulations. That's really awesome. What do you think has been your secret to success? I mean, what has kind of kept you, kept a loyal following coming in and, and, you know, just you know, what people wanting to be part of what you're, you're offering?
1: Well, I think um, when we first opened our doors, uh, we definitely had a focus, of course, on hand inventory and just making sure that we had uh, the unique stuff that was hard to find. I swear, especially locally, but we also had a definite emphasis of being, you know, very open and welcoming to the newbie. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I just remembered, uh, I'm trying to go into, um, some shops as a beginning knitter and a beginning sewist and just kind of being intimidated, uh, by, as kind of, you know, maybe kind of a club kind of uh, atmosphere that was going on where obviously everyone knew everybody else and you mm-hmm. kind of feel like an outsider right. or just uh, kind of getting that salesperson who looks at you strangely if you ask what bias tape is and why you would need something like that. Um, so we just uh, really, um, you know both ourselves and then our staff, we make sure that they realize that, you know, being welcoming and non-threatening and, you know, open to any kind of, you know, basic question that anyone might come to them with uh, just to take it and, and not ever, you know, make someone feel dumb because they
0: didn't know, you know,
1: what backstitching was or something.
0: So. So do you have a large staff or is it pretty, a pretty small group of people that run Crafty Planet?
1: Oh, well, we probably have like a, they you have know, 10 part-timers, but I mean, these are some folks are, well, you know, they have full-time jobs elsewhere, but just want to pull one shift a month or one shift a week to keep their employee discount. You know, <laughs> <or
0: whatever>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so i say there's probably, you know, a core or five of us that keeps the place running on any given week. But
0: I see. Yeah. Some people, other people <laughs> just have to feed their habit. No, I can totally understand that. I would be totally open to working one shift a, a month at a at a fabric store. My commute from Grand Rapids would be a little unmanageable, though. Um, so uh, it wouldn't work out. But uh, so does your husband sew, too?
1: He uh, does know how to sew and knit. He doesn't necessarily do it a whole lot, but he can, and he does occasionally. He did sew me a little stuffed kitty one year, but then I had to finish it because he wasn't quite sure how to, you know, do the do the legs or whatever. So yeah, I, well, that's I, pretend, cool. I, I pretended that I had my eyes closed while I was sewing, so <laughs> it would still be a surprise. <laughs> well, but that's
2: uh, No,
1: he, he does, and that was another thing, you know, we, I think we've always kind of had an eye towards, own, um, you know, making sure everyone is welcome, including men and, uh, you know, just anyone who maybe doesn't that fits the mold of the traditional or the non-traditional
0: crafter, you know. What are people asking for now? Like, what's the hot item in your store that they're like, wow, do you have this? Or I'm trying to, are everyone trying to make a certain thing? What kinds of things are you seeing that are popular?
1: Oh, well, uh, very specifically, the uh, washi dress by uh, Made made by Ray I, is uh, the number one bestseller by far as far as the, sewing patterns in our shop right now and, uh, like for apparel and a sidekick sling by Betts White. So it's just fly off the shelves and we just, uh, support those patterns so much. Uh, again, that's very specific. Right, right. More, <laughs> more generally, I would say, um, way, way more interest in knit than we ever have before. So people are kind of getting over their fear of knit and, uh, we're trying to meet that demand too by uh, finding the kinds of prints that we like, but in, in its format. So.
0: So what do you think is next for you? Uh, Do you guys have another book in the works or are you going to take a little break?
1: Rebecca and I each are working on separate book projects for story right now. Just uh, a couple of little book projects, Uh, nothing huge like uh, the One Yard Wonder series, but we definitely feel like there must be another One Yard Wonders uh, book in our future. We just haven't figured out what it is. But we're definitely planning to work together in the future and put something just as awesome and amazing as the past three books have been.
0: Yeah, well, that sounds great. Is there anything, uh, I don't know at this point, if it's too early for you to talk about what your book is about, uh, Is it? can you give us any, any hints of what you're working on?
1: Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, they're putting together the catalog now. Uh, it's a, a story, which is the same publisher that does our One Yard Wonders books. They have a series called uh, Story Basics. They're just kind of uh, not quite pamphlets, but uh, small and kind of how-to books on very specific topics. Mm-hmm. There's one on knitting and crocheting and patchwork quilting. They have some farming-oriented books. And uh, I'm doing one on covers and Rebecca's doing one on window treatments or curtains. Okay, cool.
0: Of, well, do you have any advice for people that, uh, you know, because a lot of people, they're, you know, crafty friends, and they, you know, may- maybe, you know, go to the same quilt bee or whatever and-, and have these, you know, book ideas. Like, hey, we should collaborate and team up and do a book or maybe – a handmade business or something since you guys have been working together for a long time and you have remained friends you started as friends you're still friends things are going well um do you have any advice of for people who might be looking to kind of navigate that but not blow up their friendship in the process you know to be able to work together because i know that's a that can be a delicate thing sometimes and sometimes people don't go into it really realizing that you know, there can be some stress points when you're working on deadline with people, uh, with a collaborator. Um, what, what has worked for you guys? How, how have you been able to maintain that great relationship that you started with? Well, I think one thing that helps
1: is uh, I, Rebecca and I both have um, kind of the same, I don't know if horse ethic is the the right word, but we're both definitely driven to uh, you know, meet our obligations and meet them on time as much as possible. So I kind of having a similar vantage point as far as that goes, I think is very good. We also do have some very different strengths and a book like this because it is so varied and the kinds of projects that are featured Mm -hmm. and that's all three books, um, not just the latest, that we were also able uh, to very much, um, focus on those things that uh worked well with our strength. I mean, Rebecca has background as a fashion and apparel designer and so kind of all the clothing and things were were hers, you know. And then um, you know, I've made a lot of uh plushies and uh bags and so I kind of like by default up to anything that's three dimensional uh <laughs> stuffed <laughs> objects is mine and I did, uh, know most of the bags and then you know, we kind of split things up as interest or, um, so we kind of definitely did have some delegation, uh, division of labor. As far as, uh, you know, some projects are ours or mine and some are hers, quote unquote. Um, and we read each other's, uh, of course, to make sure that it makes sense. And I don't know, I guess, you know, uh, either of us are the type really to take critiques personally, nor mm-hmm. are we either of us the type to, you know, be a really harsh in our criticism. I mean, I don't know. We work well together, and, and we're friends for a reason, because we, I think in some ways do have some similar personalities and values, and, and it did happen to mesh really well,
0: so... All right. So it was fun to hear from Trish about all the adventures that went on behind the scenes to make One Yard Wonders a reality. And now they're up to 303 projects now. So this is pretty impressive. We're going to continue the conversation with Rebecca and hear a little more about how raising sons in the Twin Cities has influenced the authors and kind of guided some of their design choices for Little One Yard Wonders. I, and I love the fact that you have things for boys and girls, and they're really good boy projects. Because sometimes people kind of throw those in as an afterthought. I can tell this book was made by moms of boys, because you guys, like, read, <laughs> you were, like, serious, serious business about what um, boy patterns we're going to get in here. And then, I mean, I and I talked to uh, Trish about this, too. It's really cool how there's just a lot of accessories and other – I mean, it's not just – it's not just close. So what, what, when you guys were putting this together, what was your hope for it?
2: Oh, well, our first hope was to get 101 projects. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's all, you know, it's amazing. Three books in. I mean, the first book, we're like, are you kidding me? 101 projects? How are we going to get 101 projects? And here we are, 303 projects later. We definitely feel there's a void for boys, for cute boys. I mean, you can pick up any spelling book and there's the cutest little girl skirts and dresses. And that's all great, but not really great for everybody. But you know, you know, what's funny about it, as much as we tried to get boy projects, I mean, I'm I'm thinking about one in particular, in particular, we've got, um, there's a plushie called Mac, the magnificent monster. Mm -hmm. And, the the fabric that we sent the contributor when she made the project, like we intentionally sent her brighter colors. I think I think that she may have originally made the project in kind of like browns or greens because it's a it's a monster plushie, so that's for boys, right? Right. But well. um well, I I mean it's I mean, traditionally I think maybe you would automatically think right. that but right. this, and you think purple with pink hands and you know, turquoise and orange. So he's just not not so specific. So as much as we wanted to make sure that there were projects for boys, we also wanted to take some things that might be traditional kind of boy things and put like a more feminine spin to show that it go, it, they work both ways.
0: So are you still doing your, you had a bedding company and you- I'm not. You know, I, um,
2: I took a break towards the end of my pregnancy in 2010, like summer 2010. Early fall, yeah. thinking I would resume, and I never really did. I mean, it, it, it's funny. My website is still out there because I kind of can't let go. Although I, I, recently I asked my brother to disable it, and he did. And now for some reason it's enabled again, so I still get some random emails. But I feel like at the time when I started doing this custom baby bedding, there was this void and this opportunity, and I did right. I did really well for a couple years. But you know, Target's all over it.
0: Right. You, you don't yeah. need me. Yeah. So, so you just kind of, um, so what, what other things have you, I mean, obviously the, the being a mom and doing this, you know, collecting hundreds of projects (laughs) to compile into three books has not been, uh, you know, that's not child's play here. I mean, that took some serious time, but, but are there other things that you've done instead of the bedding?
2: Well, it's also, it's also interesting because I, you know, I transitioned from this like at home business to stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of my at home business. Um, But um, a year ago, February, so 2013, I went to Chicago and took a class um, from an amazing woman, Sarah McIntosh, who runs the Chicago School for Shoemaking. Oh, cool. And I think I got on their mailing list through, through Renegade Chicago on an email. And I remember getting an email about it just after my son was born, and I'm like, well, well, I'm never <laughs> leaving the house again. And
0: <laughs> I had a similar thought uh-huh, after I had true. my first child too. It's like I don't think I'm ever going to see the light of day, you know.
2: Again. <laughs> right. I'm like goodbye, friends, goodbye, yeah. life. <laughs> but um, it so in February it was the first time I had been away, and I think he was about, you know, he was about two years, four or six months, and I. Took this weekend shoemaking class. We make a desert boot, kind of like the classic Clark's desert boot. Yeah, and it was an amazing experience. Like, oh my god, I made a pair of shoes. Are you kidding me? They're like leather. They're all leather. They're great in the winter. They're great any time of year. They're totally cute and handmade. Um, I went back over the summer and took a sandal class and a pattern making class, and then again in November, and I made a knee high boot. And then recently. I went to Ashland, Oregon, to the Bonnie and Will School of Shoemaking, oh, cool, cool. and made a classic men's dress shoe. Although, I mean, that's the—I uh, think that's maybe like the construction of it. It's not—I mean, if it's my foot in it, it's nothing. There's nothing manly about it. It's really fantastic and mint green. But I'm really, I'm really hot into shoemaking. I'm going to take another class in July, and I've been. Collecting leathers and tools, and I'm trying to figure out, like, taking all these different techniques and things that I've learned, and sort of get them, like, figure out how I want to approach this for me, and what does it mean in my life. I don't know that I can like make size runs or anything, but
0: I love, I love making shoes. Like, who makes shoes? Are you kidding me? So you found kind of a new passion.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can, I continue to, I continue to sew, like, recreationally. I've right. been really. I've been really into not necessarily making, but looking at and just like quilts and quilting, like all this modern quilting. It's just fascinating. And I love the use of like color and pattern and shape.
0: Well, you, and, you completely rock um, that world because, I mean, that's not a far stretch at all from what you were doing.
2: And believe me, I've got plenty of fabric. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can imagine that you probably do. Yeah, But I
2: I made, I recently did a, I made a twin size quilt for my son because, um, for his bed and I'm going to, well, I've done all the piecing, I've done the top and the bottom and I have sandwiched the batting in the middle and I haven't gotten up my courage to hand quilt it yet because I'm, I don't know what, I'm like at night looking on the internet, like, how do you hand quilt? Okay. (laughs) You know, you rock the needle back and forth. But I'm like, but it's a lot of white fabric. Is it going to get bloody? Am I going to be stabbing my finger? I'm
0: kind of afraid to start it. Oh, you can totally handle this. I mean, given everything that you've done with, um, you know, your your just machine sewing, and another thing you might want to you might want to consider too. Have you have you decided just you want it to be hand quilted, or do you would you be open to doing the um, free motion quilting?
2: I think I want to hand quilt it. You know, I considered actually considered i did one other quilt that i sent down um to rochester minnesota and i was like there's somebody there who handles who works with the amish and you can have it hand quilted by mm-hmm. the amish yeah and a couple friends have been like no 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 you put all this time into it and i mean i started the quilt top two years ago i haven't worked on it for two years but they're like you gotta you gotta go you gotta go the full you know, mile and hand quilt this thing and I'm like, okay. So Trish loaned me a quilting frame and I'm I had everything I need, just not the cor- courage yet to start it.
0: Do you see yourself doing something where you want to design patterns or you know, just or just sew for yourself, like design your own shoes for yourself?
2: It's kinda complicated because I would love to make shoes for others, but it depends on the process that I would use. I mean, the the shoe form, like what you might see, what a shoemaker uses is called a shoe last, and they come in so many different shapes and sizes, and it's a huge
0: expense. Oh, just <laughs> it, to have all the forms, it, yeah. hmm So it's
2: kind of like, oh, you know, if only we all wore this, if only we all had the same size seat, I'd make shoes for everybody, right? Right, right. And, but- and people are like, oh, you can make shoes for your son. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, he'll outgrow them. He won't appreciate them. (laughs) (laughs) They take so long. (laughs) They're so labor
0: intensive. So how has motherhood influenced you as an artist and crafter?
2: Well, I think that has a lot to do with with like maybe why. Also, why I stopped doing what I was doing. Because I have such limited time. I mean, I thought I was going to go back to making baby bedding, even even if the, you know, if the mark, if there was still like a great opportunity there, Mm -hmm. I thought I would go back to it. But the reality was, is like, I have such limited time to spend doing that, that I'm really, I'm really selective about what I want to do and how I want to spend that time and what I want to make. Because my list is long for all the things that I want to make, but I need to be realistic so that. I can do what's really most meaningful and important to me. And uh, my son goes to this great community um, on Friday. So those are like my work days. Um, You know, when Trish and I were working on the book or, you know, working on other projects or like today, I spent my day at Costco and the grocery store and Target and doing laundry. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are. Right. No, I I hear
0: you. I hear you. I had to go get the Uh, ticket. um, the car for an oil change. Take the kids to the library, and now here we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: The mother, the mother, the stay-at-home parent's work is never done, right?
0: Does your son know that you write books? Like, is he aware of that? You know, it's funny.
2: He, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, he's he's seen it. We've showed it to him. He, we've explained it. Like, you can look inside and see. That there's a picture of me and there's a picture of Trish, but you know on on the on the topic of that whole like pink and purple he he came and and this this is just based on his own observation, I think that why did dads why do dads always go to work he said and i'm and I was like, oh, wait a minute, I don't think you fully understand what's going on when you're not here, and just because I'm not going to a workplace doesn't mean that I'm not working right, right. You know, and I had to give him a lot of different examples of, you know, friends who have moms who work or, you know, or, you know, what, what does work mean exactly? Right. It's, it's so like abstract, like figuring out (laughs) the world and he's, and I guess he's also at that age where he wants to like understand roles. So I don't, I don't think he fully grasps. It, but he also doesn't, I mean, he knows that he's going to be a brother, but he doesn't want to talk about it either. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no he's, like, he's like, whatever, let's move on. You know? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um. Yeah. But I'm actually working, I think, I mean, I don't know if Trish mentioned it, but independently we're both, again, working with story publishing and we're working yeah, on these- she did.
0: Yeah, she did say that you guys are working on books. Yeah. And yours, remind me, you're doing a book on, um, what was your you're talking Curtains. It sounds like your objective is to try to make it easier for folks like me who don't really want to take a lot of time doing curtains to learn the proper way to do it and yeah, I mean, get a good result.
2: It's pretty, it's pretty basic because, I mean, the, the, approach, the approach the publisher suggests is that when you're writing a book, if you were doing a one-day workshop, what would you cover in a one-day workshop?
0: Oh, cool. You know,
2: like, what's realistic? Because they're only, the books themselves, are like 20,000 words, which is like, I mean, if you were to do 20,000 words in a Word document, that's like 30 to 35 pages. Yeah, that's not that
0: much. Yeah.
2: You know, it's not a huge, I mean, it it, it is huge because you're like, okay, what do I want to fit in and be concise? Right. But, um. yeah, so... I think curtains are just such a great, easy way to, like, infuse some fun in your space.
0: So kind of getting back to this most current book, is there anything about this, this book that is different or anything, any behind-the-scenes story that you'd like to share about how this one came together? It's funny
2: because, it, I mean, I probably said this last time, but after, I mean, Trish and I, when we did the first one year, it was one, one Yard Wonders book, we didn't know what we were doing. We'd never put a book together before. So we're both like thinking, thinking and swimming and thinking and thinking together, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, Trish, I am never doing this again. This is so much work. I would never, ever do this again. And then, and then they, and then the publisher sends you, because the publisher does, we're responsible for all the content. You know all the projects, everything, and then we send this to the publisher, and they have an in-house design team that puts the puts the book together. The publisher hires a photographer, um, you know, and we're very involved in all of the editing process, like technical and copy editing. But when you send it to them, you're sending them this bot, you know, boxes of projects and a very unattractive word document. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, there's nothing, there's nothing that visually pleasing about it, and And we get back this PDF, which was the cover, the layout for the cover and some sample pages. And my heart just sang. And it said, I will do this again. You know, you know, it was like love at first sight because I was so won over by the the package. And the second book was easier. And this book was really easy. You know, the second book. Oh, my gosh. I wish I I think I think I talked to you before this happened. The second book, though, I have to tell you, this was crazy. Um, the deadline, our deadline for the book was like, like October 1st and my due date was September 29th.
0: Oh my goodness.
2: And um, I was so ahead of the game. It was crazy. And you know, I was really, I was really moving along. And a couple of weeks before our deadline, our house got broken into.
0: Oh no. And my
2: laptop and my backup drive were stolen.
0: Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. No. So, so I was
2: really kind of angry with the second book because I spent like you know everybody gets this their maternity leave or maybe not everybody but you know you get this time you get this new baby so I get this new baby and I bought this little table at IKEA so I was like breastfeeding and having a laptop in my lap and trying to recreate all this content and Trish really helped a lot too but it was in a way I think the second book may have been better because I wrote. Part of it twice, but it was so stressful.
0: Oh yeah, that's not the way you want to um, do your revisions by having someone steal your computer and no. then starting over. Oh my gosh!
2: Oh, it was it was something. But um,
0: did you still make your deadline with all that going on?
2: Uh you know, it. And in, in the thing about it that was so crazy is that the Friday afternoon that it happened, um, our contact at the publisher was in town because there was an event in Minneapolis, and I was we were actually at a lunch date with with our acquisitions editor. And I would have normally been home.
0: Oh, my gosh. I mean, it
2: was just, it was just, it was just the whole thing So strange. Yeah. But nothing was recovered. Like, it was like high school kids that were breaking in houses all the time. But they were like minors. They couldn't prosecute. I don't know. But I didn't have, I was really mad about it. And I didn't have time to be mad because we've got this new baby. You know, two weeks later, I have this baby and I've got to like work, work, work. So I, call, you know, I called the publisher in tears with the following. I put, we put these signs all over the neighborhood, like offering a territory ward. and um, you know, nothing, nothing turned up. But I called the publisher on Monday, and I started telling her, I think I was crying, like I'm really sorry, but we were broken into and I lost everything. So the deadline is not going. You know, we're going to totally miss it. And she's like,
0: that's fine,
2: and they gave us an extension by a couple months. And it was all fine. But I think probably the fact that it was the second book in the series, they had all their ducks in a row. They knew where they were having it printed. They knew the pack, you know, how right. it was Right, they had
0: a lot um, already formulated on their end, yeah. Oh, my yeah, gosh. So, so I
2: think, like, after, after that, after the first book experience of, like, never having put a book together and being like, oh, my God, I'd never do this again, and then being run over. And the second, And then the second book experience where, you know, all my content gets stolen, the third book was a breeze, <laughs> oh my you know.
0: Goodness,
2: nothing. And um, not only that, but I feel like our we had so much time. I think the book, I think the publication date changed a little bit. So we were originally expecting it to be published in February of this year, and it didn't get published until June. So we kind of, in a way, we kept getting like these little extensions. So it was really kind of it was really kind of laid back. If anything, the contributors were probably like, we started these projects so long ago. What's taken so long? But, right. you know, it was, it, it just came together. And every time we, I say every time, it's only the third one, but every time I do one of these books, like I love it more than the previous book. Like I can't stop, I can't stop looking at it. I love the colors throughout this book. Like I love the projects. It's all, I'm, I mean, I'm really biased, but I think it's really cute.
0: And I like that the projects are pretty, um, they're manageable. They're not like a seventh-month project that you can't get done. You know. So was that part of the criteria? Yeah,
2: no, not really. The criteria is pretty much the one yard. There's a
0: lot of projects in there that, not.
2: I mean, not a lot of projects, but there's some projects in the book that maybe somebody contributed and they they originally used more than one fabric. You know, like there's a bonnet and she used a different fabric for the lining, which is which is also really cute. And I think we suggest that, but it doesn't fit within the. You know, we're not. It's not two half yards. It's a one-yard wonder. But my contributions to the book—it's like I can't tell a short story. I can't. I can't do an easy project. <laughs> 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 the western shirt. I look at it. And it's just. It's just ridiculous. Like, oh yeah. You know how many pieces and. Yeah, and it's, that's really. It's really
0: cute. It's, really cute yeah. <laughs> it's super
2: cute. There's a contributor, um, Misty Summers, who contributed um, little girls' underpants. Yep. Which are just. Which are just really cute, but. And we loved that project but it it like it didn't it didn't come close to using a full yard of fabric. So then I designed using the rest of the yard, I designed the tank top to go with it. And then I was like, you know, having these boys, back to your earlier comment or question when we first started talking. I'm like, Well, we gotta do boys underwear, don't we? So I do these boy briefs and you know, they're really cute and I will probably never make a pair again because they were so. I was like, really? I can go buy a four pack for $6 or whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing is, you have to kind of wait. And boy, underwear is more complicated than girl underwear too. So, so yeah. So you, you they have, probably
2: didn't really have to have a functional front fly. But hey, if
0: you're gonna go head to head with Hanes, uh in this book, <laughs> you know you gotta do, you gotta do the full the full on uh, underwear here. But um, is is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want people to know? No, I
2: don't think so. I mean, I I think I'm most excited. Aside from being most excited about having a child, like, <laughs> <laughs> about 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 making, like I continue to be, I think I thought, talked about last time. I continue to be excited about machine knitting, but I'm really excited about the shoemaking. Um. So I want to. I want. I look forward to continuing in that vein to see where it takes me.
0: A special thanks to Trish and Rebecca for coming on the podcast and telling us the the behind-the-scenes story of how Little One Yard Wonders was made. This is a fun book. I'm very happy that Story Publishing is donating a copy to give away to a lucky listener or reader of my newspaper column. So I am going to direct everyone to CraftSanity.com to um, leave a comment below the write-up about the podcast Uh, make sure you're on the post for episode 132. And I will be randomly selecting a winner. And we're just asking listeners and readers to leave a comment about a project that you either really enjoy making or something you want to learn to make. We're going to give you until July 6th to post your comment. And then we'll make a selection and I will post a winner and forward your contact information on the story so they can send you your book. So thank you, Story Publishing, for donating a book to give away. And thank you, all you folks at home, for tuning in to another episode. I really appreciate that. And I'm going to um, go back downstairs where I need to eat dinner with my family and uh, do some test prints. I am, I've been printmaking a lot. And um, and yes, yes, I, I am working also on issue 10 of the magazine. I'm just trying to update all the work that I had completed earlier. In the meantime, you can go to the Craft Sanity website and check out the first nine issues of Craft Sanity. They're all available for instant download as PDFs. And there's nine issues and then a bonus holiday issue that was kind of an in-between, not a full issue, but kind of a mini issue that is available there too. They're also all available on my Etsy shop. Soon I'm going to have some new Prints available. Doing a lot of printing on fabric and some on paper as well. So that'll be a fun new addition to my online shop. And uh, I'm also still selling weaving looms. So if you're looking for um, one of those wooden peg weaving looms, I have them in many sizes. So you can check those out as well. So yeah, just a little commercial there. (laughs) Pardon me. Uh, Well, I hope you folks have a great summer. Things are going pretty well here in Michigan. I just wish the days were longer and there was more time to make stuff because, my oh my, sleep does get in my way. If you have a suggestion for future podcasts, feel free to email me. It's jennifer at craftsanity.com. I'm always looking for ideas and like to hear who listeners want to hear from. Thanks for those suggestions, those of you who have been sending them in. I really do appreciate that. Okay, so I'm off to my next task you guys have a great day, and I'll be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, craft sanity, my friends. It works for me.